0: Hey, Philip, what's going on, my man? Brian, good to see you, buddy. What's yeah, going on? always great to be here. I'm excited. It is hot. It is summertime. It's so
1: hot. <laughs> AC bills going through the roof. Brother, I've been blasting it nonstop. <laughs> you know it's hot in Texas when your AC just goes all night long. It never shuts off, not once.
0: Well, I, I hope you get a little bit of beach time this summer. I don't think I'm going to get a lot of beach time. No? No, which is, makes me sad. But at the same time, I'm very happy because that means
1: I'm working. What does that mean you're going to be coming over here more often? Probably. I like
0: it. So that just means we need to stock up a little extra.
1: So do we get to record an episode?
0: Why not? Let's get into it. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors
2: Don't Knock. The show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey.
0: Well, 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 hello to everyone out there. Good morning, good evening, good night. I don't know when when you're listening. (laughs) They could be. You could be hearing this in the morning, so if you're on your way to work or you're just taking a little nightcap, you have stumbled into Neighbors Don't Knock and you have not knocked.
1: I prefer it like when you're falling asleep at night, right? Just sort of like pop on the headphones, crank out an episode or two. You know, first thing you know, it's, it's you know, two o'clock in the morning. You've listened to five of them.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's all right, but some people don't like that sound. It, it really kind of starts to, I, I don't know. People have very weird sleeping habits. Like my wife, she can't hear anything.
1: I'm pretty sure I could soothe anybody to sleep. Really? Oh, yeah. I just like, you're getting sleepy.
0: Yeah, see, I, and I like doing those meditations at night, but at the same time, I prefer to listen to my podcast in the morning or in the afternoon in, on, in the car.
1: Fair enough. Well, today, I am super, super excited. We have more guests in studio than we have ever had before.
0: <laughs> that's yeah. true that's true it's it's getting a little warm in here
1: we're a full house it, we, it's we are a full house
0: but it's exciting to be a full house first time to be a full house
1: it is so so exciting and i want to go ahead and just get right into introducing our guests today because they are near and dear to our hearts they happen to be our sponsor alpacion and we have an entire team today we have the alpacion ceo gabby soto we have angela smith our owner and huge supporter of neighbors of Knock. thank you angela and we have gabe conti one of the main investors
0: I, I'm going to have to make sure I get that Gabby, Gabe, Gabby, Gabe, Gabby, Gabe.
1: It's okay. Just tongue twist it. It's fine.
0: I, I'm used to doing that. Those are like my warm-up exercises for theater. <laughs> so let's welcome them to the show. Guys, welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock. How Thank are you. everyone doing? Awesome. Thanks for having
3: us. We're great. Yeah, Happy to be thanks. here.
0: I'm so excited. Thank you for taking time to be out here. Well, let's just go through a little bit of everyone's backstory, for, especially for our listeners. Uh, Gabby, let's start with you. So, originally, you're from Venezuela. That's right. Is that correct? So, how did you get involved with Alpazian?
4: Well, many years ago, uh, 10 years ago now, I used to do tax law. And after 10 years doing that, I decided to to do something completely different. And my boss at the time had just finished a course at INSEAD in France. And the course was a bit of an MBA, but it was more, they say that it was more psychoanalysis. And in that course, they met, well, Bill Fisher from New York and a few other investors that were the initial ones that started this project. They had a dream to make wine together, and, but none of them had the time to organize it. So after 10 years of doing law, I quit my job, and my boss at the time said, well, if you want to do something completely different, how about a winery? And I'm like, winery? I'm Venezuelan. Yeah, why Why not scotch. drink? Exactly.
0: <laughs> let, let me drink for a living, sure.
4: But also, I didn't know anything about wine. I was literally, I, I drank scotch. So he said, well, don't you like wine? And I'm like, sure. I mean, I can have a glass of wine, but I don't know anything about it to start a winery. And
0: Is that a lawyer thing? I got to ask. Is that really a lawyer, like, I, I drink scotch. I love scotch, but I also do like wine. But I, most lawyers I know are scotch drinkers.
4: Well, especially if you do tax and... <laughs> Death and taxes the the numbers are easier
0: to see, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, so that's a little bit how I started getting involved. They had the idea or the dream, but none of none of them had the time to organize it. So he basically told me, "Look, I'll pay you. Go visit a few good places in the world that make wine, and let us know where we should invest."
0: Wait, what, what uh, wait. What's his name? We need to. We need to call him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my, my
1: heart's breaking over here. I've, I've never had a boss. Someone like, has We should do go it. make wine.
0: Oh man, I, yeah, that's very few times that I've probably said to my boss, which I shouldn't say this probably on the podcast. Great idea,
1: you know. I've actually I've had plenty of bosses that told me to go get them wine, but never so much. Uh, they didn't we share with go you. See if we can start a business, you know. N- not usually. Not usually. At well, least not knowingly. Oh well, there you. Go. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, Gabby, welcome to Neighbors Don't Knock and Houston, Texas. Uh, yeah. Now, you, you yeah, live you in Miami, though, right now. That's right. Okay. Yeah. How is Miami very different from, from Houston? I, I don't travel to Miami much.
4: Well, it's, uh, the heat is the same. Maybe the humidity is a little bit different. Um, I've been there already for almost 20 years, so looking for a change. And Texas has has been welcoming our wine very well. And every time I come here, I have a lot of fun. I think people are very open. They really enjoy our wine. So I'm thinking of spending more time here. This is actually my first, no, my third trip this year.
0: Oh, wow. Oh, so you are, you're pandemic aside. You're just like, I'm traveling. I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm good.
1: (laughs) Were you surprised the first time you came to Houston about how metropolitan it really is?
4: Actually, I was. Yeah. Me too. Yeah,
1: when that's... I moved down here, I expected like
4: yeehaw, yeah, cowboy hats and
0: buckles, and I then I got like. <laughs> Don't feel bad. We moved from Anchorage originally, and in fact, my older brother asked my dad, "Do we have to ride a horse to school?" I mean, that was a legit question that that we were concerned with, because <laughs> you know when you're not used to that
1: kind of thing. Yeah, all I could picture was like oil barons. <laughs> right?
4: Well, Sick if you go
0: out to West Texas, that you will see that definitely.
1: Um, I was
4: also surprised with the food scene here. Very impressed, very international, great food. Yeah, that's Um, an amazing thing. That's changed
1: quite a lot since I moved here. When I first moved here, it was sort of a food desert. There were like three, four really excellent restaurants. And then in the past, really the past 15 years, it's just exploded. The food scene here is incredible.
4: Yeah, I'm very impressed. Well, that leads
0: me into Gabe. You are more into the food scene, is that correct?
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say that
2: we have uh, two companies. So one is called uh, Contel Fresh. Uh, We've been importing and and distributing fresh fruits and vegetables uh, nationally uh, from other countries since 86, something like that. Uh, Strangely or unstrangely enough, uh, with uh, Vera Wine and Spirits, we've been importing wines and spirits since '92, and that's also been mostly Mediterranean. We're we're, we're an Italian family, so and historically, it's been uh, Italian wines driven, uh, especially being on the East Coast from New Jersey. Um, uh, so we import and distribute the wines and spirits in New Jersey.
0: You you have that you have that New Jersey look, that
4: tough yeah. guy look. Yeah, <laughs> <good one. laughs> like you have that. I like I don't want to mess with you nah, too much. that's
2: that's not true. A, there's a lot. There's you know it's uh it's what it is but but uh <laughs> hey I, but I
0: say embrace it embrace it man no, cause yeah, cool it makes it. The, it makes the love so much so much better when 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 you uh, become
2: yeah new jersey new jersey's got a certain rap deserved or undeserved but um um yeah it was a cool place to to grow up um and we have a lot of fun distributing the wines uh in new jersey distributing liquor in new jersey and 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 then uh contrasting uh, being able to travel the United States and internationally is just a, an incredible perspective that I'm really uh, super fortunate to be to be allowed to do, and, and it's part of my life. You know, you see and meet really incredible people um, and have super, such a great perspective about how other people live their lives.
0: Well, um, I, w- yeah. I do want to get to that, how you guys have your paths crossed. But I do want to know, was getting into food and wine something you've always wanted or something that inspired you when you were growing up for some reason or is it just kind of coming from that type of family because I know Italian families tend to business. and
2: it's a family business from New Jersey <laughs> that we're running. is it it is no it is a family business no i did not uh i did not um, but you didn't see
0: yourself somewhere else
2: no no i did, no i didn't um growing up in school uh, i kind of always knew that that i'd be working uh, with my family in the business I've been working with my dad since I was nine. Uh, anything from driving forklifts to packing boxes to making boxes. Uh, we started in the flower business actually, and then it just kind of progressed. You know, um, you know, since then you have other passions that come up, and and you always kind of uh, regress and say, hey, you know, you make different decisions, send you on different trajectories. Um, and maybe maybe similar to you guys coming from Anchorage or coming from different states to Houston, and it's like you know we were talking about that last night. When we were at dinner. And you have a, a certain decision that you make, or a certain circumstance that presents itself that kind of throws you off into a different direction, and and you have a whole different set of outcomes that weren't expected. So, I would, if that answers your question. Yeah, no, no, I, I
0: yeah. think that's, I think it's wonderful to hear because, for my profession, it's very easy to branch out I shouldn't say it's easy but you know you're always working and you're always looking for opportunities Uh, certain other aspects people will have it's 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 more difficult especially when you have something kind of stable or uh, Gabby how you were talking about being a lawyer and having to say well I want to move into this venture it it can be very scary uh and it can be a big risk but the reward sometimes is fantastic so I'm glad to really hear that that's something that has worked out well for you.
1: I'm yeah. picturing all the people that are born and raised in Houston hearing you tell that story to dinner and like 10% of them are going, see, see, it's a family, it's a family business. business. I'm I'm kind of, I yeah. mentioned that
2: under my breath a little bit. I? Like family business from New Jersey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. mess with the okay. family though. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah, so I, I, I'm Googling uh, Conti family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Normally I have a much more raspier voice, but, uh, you know, try to clear it up a little bit for the podcast. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, that, that's much more... Uh, intimidating. Yeah, so tell the me, who is voice. who is
1: Vinny the fish? What, what's going on? We don't talk about him anymore. <laughs>
0: no.
1: Exactly. So where is he buried? Yeah, right. Concrete. In concrete. Yeah. No, it's a fish. He yeah.
0: swims. He swims. I have, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I wouldn't last. Indeed. I'd be busi- picked off first.
1: I have a business partner who moved up to New Jersey. She lives in Mickleton right now. And oh. um, I, I'm always busting her chops, right? Because she had never been in, in New England for longer than like a, a business trip. So she moves up there, she's trying to get used to it. They buy a house on the shore, you know, sort of settling into the whole the whole deal. And I must send her a picture of an iroxy every other day. <laughs> So see how's it going? How the t- how t tops up there? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. See, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of stereotypes.
4: Absolutely.
2: I see, Gabby.
1: I'm more on
0: your level. I'm, I'm, I'm i think I would survive a little bit better in <laughs> Miami or <laughs> Venezuela. Yeah, brother, <laughs> I'm from Fairfield County. Not in Venezuela. Right, right so no, not Venezuela. Well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Everyone's like, oh, Fairfield County. <laughs> <Yeah>. So did you have a Ferrari for your first car? Exactly. So, exactly. Okay, guys. You know, it's not quite how yeah, this works. You know,
2: it's, it's you know it's uh, it's like anything. You know, if you look through um, you know the, the information that you're that you're given, you know, you have a certain Kind of, there's obviously a lot of TV shows and there's a lot of pop culture out there for it. So, um, so yeah, it's it's cool. Um, you know, it's a great place to live. It really is. We're, we again, another thing we were talking about last night. You know, you have two major metropolises. You know, Philadelphia and and New York. You know, in New York people say you know, uh, capital of the world. Um, people believe that don't. Uh, and then the whole state's a shoreline. So it it has a lot to offer. And, and um, uh, yeah, I can't say that that I regret being born there or growing up there it's been great well how does that
0: Absolutely. affect the food scene that you you're mentioning because you have you have philly and everything really close and obviously those are very different styles of, of food that kind of culturally clash a little bit i know philly is kind of very proud of everyone that they're from philly and they have their own style right and obviously yeah. new york is well we all know yeah, it's <laughs> really really diverse
2: i mean um you can live in New York your entire life and, and not experience all the diversity of, of uh, flavors, uh, both with the people and the food. And then, um, yeah, Philadelphia has, has got its own kind of uh, style about things. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like around here. Like I was talking to somebody and they said uh, uh, we were talking about Texas barbecue. It was right down the street of Truth, which is incredible. Oh,
0: you, you did right. I was, I, you did I right by going to Truth. I
2: got some good suggestions. I got, suggestions. I got my hat truth had barbecue.
0: That is my favorite barbecue place in Houston.
1: Yeah,
4: it so, was killer.
1: Yeah, that was I, w- cool. I want to circle back to this because I'm, I'm always fascinated by the different cultures coming into Houston, and even domestic U.S. cultures because it's so different, right? It's so different growing up in Jersey, Connecticut, New York, Houston. But before we do that, give me a chance real quick to understand the timeline. So Al on, Gabby, this is what? This is 2009?
4: yeah about 10 years ago 10 11 years ago that's right
1: okay okay so that's when you're really getting everything you know full-time you've committed you're in you're going right and and gabe when did you come on the scene exactly with that we started
2: we started distributing four years ago and um yeah the the feedback was such that that we had the opportunity so it was jumped at it
1: okay awesome and then yeah. angela you get a chance now for the for the first time to say hello how yes, you... we
0: weren't neglecting you over there. We... <laughs> how, did,
1: how did you get involved in this? And, and were you involved before Gabe got involved or after? What, what's your timeline with Alpacion?
3: So back in 2013, um, Mark and I, my husband Mark and I were, stay, were down in uh, the Mendoza area, and we stayed at the Alpacion Lodge. And that was back at a time that I didn't understand the difference between this what looked like a vacation property versus a vineyard versus a winery. And we were having a lot of fun, and I ran into this person who was staying there, and she was coming up the stairs from the basement she's like oh i I'm, I'm so sorry we oversold the lodge um but i I'm, I'm staying downstairs it's because we were st- we took all the rooms and I had this vision in my head that it was Gabby that I met, and um I thought, oh these ladies um they they pulled their money together and they built a vacation home and um they, uh, they, uh, they built this vacation home, and they're all here to have fun. And we took their rooms, and they're all down in the basement. <laughs> and they're so polite about it, and that stuck in my head. And, and whatever, I forgot about it. And then um, fast forward 2017, Mark and I were down in uh, Mendoza again, and I said I really want to go pa- by Alpaciana. I want to do a wine tasting and um, we saw that they were accepting investors, and I brought the idea up with my husband, and he kind of you know, gave me a little look, and we're sitting there with them. At the time, the agronomist was Guillermo, and we were doing this tasting, and Guillermo was uh, speaking in English, but it wasn't his first language, and I could sense that he was getting tired, and um, I'm good with languages. uh studied Latin lived in a Russian speaking country for a while and studied Spanish and a little bit of German. And, um, so I just said to him, I go, Guillermo, just when you're tired, just start speaking Spanish. and I'll let you know if I don't figure it out. And next thing I knew I was translating and my husband was like, "You speak Spanish. I didn't know. I said, I kind of didn't either. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) awesome. I didn't know my Spanish was that good. And I said, we're doing this. And he was so shocked. He's like, okay. And then we, um, Uh, reached out to Gabby and then like a month later you came to Houston to to meet us and I knew I'd already and then I'm like I met her before she probably didn't remember I remember it (laughs) and uh, then that that was that back in late 2017 and then I got on the board in 2000 early 2018
0: was now was that your first trip to South America going down there or do you guys travel a lot down that way we, and just wanted to go out to the Mendoza region?
3: We go down there a lot. Um, Mark and I were involved um, with uh, some friends. We had bought a couple of acres and not far from where Al Paciano is. And so we went down with the group regularly, probably yearly. So we were familiar with the area and already liked Argentina and, and the wine.
0: Now, do you guys fly into B.A. and then drive out, or do you go into Chile and then take a, a puddle jump flight?
3: We, we've done various. Oh, okay. Uh, so a lot of times, first couple times we'd go to B.A. and then um, stay there for a few days. Because you have to, we always had to transfer airports, and that's a headache. So we thought, well, we'll stay, and then we'll go back to the other airport and then fly over uh, to Mendoza. And then we've done it through Chile, and then one time we did it through Lima, and um just we, we experiment, but you know, Argentina, you might be thinking you're, you're on a flight going from BA to Mendoza. And then you get a, a an email from the airline saying, oh, we rescheduled your flight for you know, two weeks from now. <laughs> like, well, let's try Lima. <laughs>
1: oh, wow. You, you know, I, I have the, the pleasure and the privilege of, of considering you and your husband, Mark, dear friends. And I like that you put in the story that you kind of mention to him that we should think about investing because I guarantee you he was looking at the expression on your face thinking oh we're gonna invest in a winery <laughs> I, I know you well enough to know like that's it it's done
0: well that's what my wife does she makes she makes me think it's my idea even though it really wasn't you know, she's getting better at that. At first it was like, no, this is my idea. You're just going to go along with it. it just lifts you <laughs> now, up. Lifts now you up. I think we've avoided some of the arguments by her. She just makes me think that it's my idea.
1: I actually love whenever we promote I'll pass you on on social media. One of the things that I love is the pictures of all those lodges. It is so exquisitely beautiful. Oh, and I, I stare at them how-
0: nonstop. They were a, a screensaver on my, uh, you know, on my Apple TV or my TV one day, and they were just kind of popping up.
1: Yeah, I, and, I, I can see desperately wanting in after you've had the opportunity to be down there and, and, and experience that and see them in person. And I, I hope that our listeners get a chance to fly down there and check them out in person because it's, I, I can't wait myself. Well,
0: hold on. Let, let, let's, let's, go, let's go there. How long did it take to get the lodge and everything up and going from, from start to finish? Let, let's talk about that process because the pictures are beautiful, but how big is the property itself versus the vineyard?
4: So it's 85, I always talk in hectares instead of acres. So it's 200 acres. 200 acres. 200 acres. acres uh, okay. Um, of which we planted about 60 hectares. Um, and we planted, well, Malbec mainly because that's the, the grape that Argentina is known for.
0: Never, never drank a Malbec from Argentina that I didn't like.
4: But you have to try ours. I absolutely,
0: <laughs> I, absolutely. Well, I, I we have a we bought a case actually, so we've been drinking. Awesome. We've we've been drinking. You. Guys. So, uh,
4: <laughs> there are a lot of people that say, "Oh, I don't like Malbec," and I'm like, "Try this one," and they're like, "Oh my god, this one I like. It's a well-made Malbec."
0: It was the vineyard that happened first before the yes. lodge and stuff. Is that is that kind of uh, correct? Or so, Angela, were you guys all together on that?
4: No. Um, before I met Angela, we bought the the property about 2009. And when we bought it, we thought, you know, by consequence, we're going to have the, the ability to drill a well and have water to plant. It doesn't work that way. So we, for three years, we couldn't get a permit to drill the well. And Argentina, being a Latin American country, they were asking us for bribes to give us the, the, the permit. And we refused to pay so three years down the road, I spoke to um, a lawyer that specialized in water, whatever, and we happened to have another well that was not functioning. But with that well, we were able to get a permit to, drig- to dig another well. In the end, we were able to plan about three years later. But in the meantime, we said, what are we going to do now? Let's at least build a house that we can come and enjoy. And initially, it was going to be just for the investors, but none of us lived there. So we said, well, let's rent it out to the public. Beautiful house. It's six rooms. Well, as you've seen. And last year, we also built a glamping area, three beautiful tents in the middle of the vineyard. I know. That's uh, what I'm after. I'm after the glamping tents. It's really, really (laughs) spectacular. Yeah. Now, do you find
1: that the guests that take advantage of the glamping area are, are mostly from the Americas, or are they sort of internationally coming in from everywhere?
4: Um, well, I can't answer that yet for the glamping because when we opened it, which was last year, February, Uh immediately after uh, COVID started. So we were mainly opened just for the domestic market. So mainly people around the area and some people from Buenos Aires. But traditionally, one of our biggest clients uh, or customers are from Brazil, which well very close by. They love to have a good time. They love to experience new things, love the wine. So, but a lot of Americans also, a lot of Europeans, it's very, I think 90% of our customers are international customers.
0: Well, that, that's wonderful. Angela, where did you guys stay in the house or the, or the glamping? Did? Like, which do you prefer? Because I know you've kind of done, you've looked at both, right?
3: We had not been able to get there to experience. Oh,
0: glamping. The, the glamping, so you haven't been back yet. Yes. Okay.
3: And and as I know this probably sounds strange, but I, I get to become a creature of habit, and so I... If my oh husband, you have a room. You like well, it's like this is our room. We tend to it seems like we stay in the same room, but if you ask my opinion, I want to stay in the lodge, but my husband wants to to try the glamping structure, and I have no reason to not try the <laughs> glamping structure other than the fact that I've never done it before.
4: That's the whole reason why you should. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so we're going to be expecting to see pictures from you and your husband in the glamping tent. So is it going to be your idea or his idea? It'll be his. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect answer. It's always his idea, didn't you know? Yeah. <laughs> Planting seeds. Okay, so back to the timeline. So you, you drill the two yes. wells. You get, you get planted. Right. Mostly Malbec.
4: Uh, yes, and, and we hired uh, Pedro Parra. He's one of the few PhD in terroirs in the world. He's originally from Chile, but studied in France. And he told us exactly what to plant where. So it's not like we said, oh, I want to plant Chardonnay. He did a soil study. Basically dug holes throughout the property, and he was very impressed by the different micro terras. So, and you can see it while you're walking throughout the the farm. Some areas have big rocks, other areas it's very sandy that you kind of sink on the ground, and it all provides um, a lot of character to to the wines and diversity.
0: Does he live on the property?
4: No, no. He just did the soil study for us. We planted and um, well, we planted Malbec, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot. Syrah, Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc. Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir.
2: Pinot Noir is new one.
4: Cab yeah. Franc. And Cab Franc.
2: Oh, I
0: love a good Cab Franc. Oh, yeah. Y'all it's are making beautiful. everything.
4: Well, it's uh, it's quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> aside
0: from the Tanat grape, which I learned in Uruguay that is very big there. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys... No. Plant the to no No. No, uh, no plans to? No. Okay.
3: Not for and, the time being, no. And one of the things I want to bring up, too, is there were no vineyards ever planted on this land. So it was greenfield space. Oh, wow. And so we this is the first time vines have been planted in, on this property.
4: Yeah. And it's organic. We farm organically. Uh, we also apply low intervention. So we try to influence the wine as little as possible, um, try to make it as natural as possible. We use native yeasts. So no, try to avoid any chemicals or things like that. Now, it's, the
0: whole thing about having a vineyard and finding property, because when you say South American wine, people immediately think of the Mendoza region, mm-hmm. um, at least to me, that it, it, it at least sings a little bit more sometimes. Is it... Is there a lot of properties or a lot of vineyards that are popping up now versus later, or is is it is it even easy to do that? Because I know it's like going to Napa or something. You you better have somebody that's really really gonna invest because you just can't do it because the land's so expensive.
4: Right. Um, well, Argentina has been making wine for many years, but it was traditionally more table wine, so not not the highest quality. Um, and about I would say fifteen twenty years ago, that started to change. A lot of foreign investments started coming in. Traditional uh, wine families from France, Italy, Spain started to invest in, in Argentina, specifically in the area of Uco Valley, which is where we are. Uh, it's some of the newest vineyards and some of the highest vineyards in the area. Uh, we're about 4,000 feet above sea level, um, so high elevation wines. And all these foreigners had well the means, but also the experience, the technology, to take uh, the wine production and the wine business to a complete different level. And that's, that was a little bit the reason why we decided to invest there. Uh, we felt that um, France, Italy, everything there has been done for years. Uh, we didn't feel that there was like a space for us. Well, in Argentina, there were so, min- so open to foreigners and so much happening. And I thought when I was choosing the land, I thought, I may not know anything about this business, but if the Rothschild are investing here and, and there are... are neighbors they sure know what they're doing so um, that's a little bit how it went
0: is everyone friendly in the in the area like the other vineyards you guys all kind of come together it's it's not oh, yeah. competitive
4: no it's uh i mean there's always of course competition but in the end you know everyone is trying to put argentina high up there in the map so there are a few restaurants that it's fun to go to because all the winemakers sit together have a chat discuss you know what they're doing different so it's a nice camarader- camaraderie camaraderie
2: camaraderie yeah yeah in my trip there we we did some uh some fruit business and also the wine business i was there two years ago for the first time and check it out i found um from not being there for not being in argentina for i don't know six years prior such warm people i mean uh, really uh, genuine when you speak to them very willing to help uh, help you out it was if we were walking we happened to walk between these two buildings we actually made a right and we should have made a left and we were it was pretty far distance it was uphill This one guy saying that you know drives past us he sees us. He waves and stops and backs up said, hey, where are you guys trying to go so you guys trying to go to see uh pedro or whatever the guy's name was i don't remember he's like hey, just jump in man. We'll just, i'll bring you over and i was with uh, uh, our business um uh, the guy that runs our business for for produce in chile and i'm like he goes, wow, i said never happy. That's never happened to me <laughs> that, that's in Santiago. Awesome. You know, and, um, and it's, it's, it happened when we were in Tunuyan, which is the main city south of that. Um, it happened to me, I had the same issue. I, I actually, it was my, my mistake. I, I told him to, uh, I was supposed to show up a day later. I showed up a day early. So the room was full. the, the, the If you do get a chance to book a room at this place, <laughs> you should definitely do it. it. It gets filled up really quickly. It's incredible um, views and hospitality. And um, the woman running the lodge at the time, she's like, "Don't worry about it." So we'll get you a place. And we they put us in a place. We went to a restaurant, had the most amazing meal. Um, it was incredibly inexpensive with U.S. dollars. We had like five courses. It literally cost us fourteen or fifteen bucks wow. with one. Yeah. just an incredible meal. I, actually, I, we we <laughs> I handed the bill over because we I, I was like, "Do the math again." <laughs> make sure that I'm right. That we don't I'm walk ri- out like not paying half <laughs> of exactly, what we owe. Yeah, right, right. Next thing you know, it's uh, you know somebody chasing me down the street for another hundred bucks. But I'm like, this is incredible. And um, yeah, I think it's one of the reasons why why Argentina has, is, has become such a great place to be. And um, you know, in, in the wine business, there's so much inertia to um, to develop let a winery by itself, but let alone a category. Um, you know, Bordeaux has incredible demand worldwide that's not something that happened overnight that's happened over 600 years they have incredible experience in their terroir you know um it's uh from a from a more romantic kind of kind of point of view it's really it really is time in a bottle you know you sometimes you're drinking wine that was made in 1986 or 92 maybe even 98 maybe it's because you bought it for it's a special special time in your life and you want to save it for maybe a child that grows up when they become 21 you open a bottle that's 20 years old you, know, you think about we're talking about how much divergent you know, directions we all go in over time. And now you're talking about 10 years or five years or 20 years, or maybe 50 years. But in Argentina, with Alpación specifically, you, you know, having Pedro Para make a, a study and be able to make the decisions correctly from the beginning, just get you a little bit of jump ahead in terms of the learning curve over time. It's been one of the most exciting things and, and, and more exciting than that. It's easy to sell the first bottle, you know, there's someone restaurant or wine shop is going to pick it up and, and they're going to show it and people are going to drink it and they're going to buy it. Or not, and the not is the troublesome one. You know, when you when you have inventory of hundred cases or five hundred cases or whatever your commitment was initially, you want to make sure that there's some follow up. And the only thing that makes that a follow up is an enjoyable experience. People say, "Wow, this was incredible." And then the second thing is, how do I tell other people about it? So I had this incredible glass of wine. What's it called? Apasion, Alpazan, however you want to pronounce it. Sometimes it's, that's a problem in marketing. Yeah. And what people say, oh, we, we had these serendipitous conversations. It's so funny. It's, I met a buddy of mine that moved to Houston, and he's like, "Oh, you're the one with the fingerprints on the label."
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, us. That's, that's that's us. Awesome. And you go like that, you give it a thumbs up, which is
2: which is kind of cool. We should, we should twist that a little bit for marketing. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's been uh, you know, and people always say that. And and I remember my dad when he came here uh, had a real tough time. He came here when he was seven and speak English or Italian. It's seven year old Italian, and it always was something that he he was uncomfortable with when when he went to. Pronounce something. He wanted to make sure that he wasn't embarrassing himself, and uh, and he's like, we we tried, played around with some private labels, and he's like, make sure it's easy to pronounce. And I was breaking this chop, chops. So I was like, easy to pronounce for for you or for us. <laughs> yeah, but but, <laughs> but he's like, no, you know the reason why it's, is if it's easy to pronounce, you can tell other people about it and they can latch onto it, and you have a wider uh, consumption experience because people know how to get it and how to tell the people about it. And uh, we've never had a brand that has been this successful. Uh,
0: well, you guys have done some. Uh, Angela, you guys were at the Houston Rodeo with with this wine. Not obviously not last year, but the year before. Or did you? Did they have a wine tasting? Okay.
3: We um we entered the competition, and uh, two years in a row we won medals, and then as a result we were invited to participate in the the Best Bites event, which is I I don't know how many vendors, but there'll be uh, 100-plus food vendors and then wine vineyards being represented, and people come by and get – it's a charity event, so they raise money, and they pay whatever it is, and they get a glass, and they go and get samples of wine everywhere. And um, the first year was pretty intimidating. Uh, We were both new. We were just like, wow, um, wow.
0: It's like one of those I'm just happy to be here type of moments. (laughs) And
3: and then the second year – was interesting, um, we, I think we're one of the few um, companies that actually send our own investors and representatives to represent the wine.
0: I love that, though. And
3: so when we, people come by, we, with the second year, we had all these people come by. They wanted to say hi again because they wanted to talk to us. And we, we, that's when we realized, wow, there's a lot, a lot of our fa- – we have to sell
4: our, our own wine. And well, it's a very personal project for us. I mean, we put the names and prints because we're guaranteeing the quality. We're something that we are very proud of, um, and we won the the um, rodeo a, a prize in that. What was it called again? The
3: um, I'm forgetting. Yeah, <laughs> but it was like the
4: we um, trophy. It was the best class one Class trophy. I think it was like best in class. In class. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. um,
3: we we never got a buckle. We haven't gotten a buckle yet. Is, um, is
0: that, so that's now a goal for at least yeah. for the at least for the Houston rodeo. <laughs> get, get, sure. get the buckle. <laughs> so I
3: don't I I don't really remember exactly what it was we won because I was always overwhelmed looking at the list and understanding the different categories, but um, it was it just felt like such an honor to be there and to. Um, they they get to experience the cowboy boots and the hats. And I all loved that. it. That's true. There's, there's that bit of <laughs> Phillip, Texas you, right there. Philip, have you been?
1: I have many times. Okay.
0: But have you been to the cook-off and the – I have okay. many times, yep. Okay, good. We're just making sure because we've never been together, so I wanted to ask. I, when was the last time you went? Last year. I mean – The year it got shut down. Oh, the year we yeah, shut down. I, okay. I was
1: at the cook-off, and they shut it down like two days later.
0: Oh, geez. Well, I hope that you guys get a chance to go back. Uh, it's becoming a really big deal – at least here in Houston uh, for for people and, and the rodeo it's it the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo for those of you that are listening out of state is one of the largest rodeos in the in almost in the world I think at now I'd have to look up I, I might be misquoting that, but it is one of the largest, if not the largest, in the United States.
1: Well yeah, to give you an idea of the size of this thing, in, in two thousand nineteen the um, total economic impact to Houston of the Houston rodeo was two hundred and twenty seven million dollars and the economic activity that they measured going through the rodeo was just shy of $400 million. It's it's definitely a huge deal.
0: A wine made with passion and soul is a great way to bring people together. And that's why we choose Alpasion. Alpasion is an award-winning wine produced in the Uco Valley region of Argentina and can be found in fine restaurants and retail establishments all over the world.
1: Taste the passion today or book a trip to their vineyards and experience their exquisite lodge and glamping tents. Learn more at www.alpassion.com. And now back to the show.
0: Okay, so first of all, again, it's so great to be sitting here with all of you. And we have talked about a little bit of traveling down there, the wine itself. What is coming up next for Alpassion?
4: Well, this year for us, it was uh, one of the biggest milestones because when we started the project, or when we started making wine, we started by producing the wine at the winery of our winemaker. So we did it a little bit different than most wineries. Um, We said, let's get the sales going, let's start building a brand. And once we have a significant number of or an important distribution network, then we start with the winery. Um, And that's how we did it. And this year was the first year that we produced everything on site. So we are now state-grown and state-bottled wine. Um, That, for us, was a a really important step. Um, And then I think something that we're now discussing to do is we have a few more um, hectares left to plant. And we want to experiment with a few uh, different varietals, maybe some that are not even native to Argentina. So um, we already have most of the vineyard with uh, varietals that we know do well there. But we want to be a little bit crazy and experiment uh, with something brought maybe from Italy or, or, or Chile or... We'll see. We'll see what's uh, what's next.
0: It, it, I just see that you're grinning there, so obviously <laughs> you you have plans and things going on, which is great. I, I love to see that because that that means you are so passionate about the project and about I, I call it a project, but really it's it's just a labor of love, isn't yeah, it?
4: It is, and the name well, the name Alpasión comes from two words in Spanish: alma, which means soul, and passion, pasión.
1: That's beautiful. It really is. It really is beautiful, and I, I love I love the way. The label itself looks. I love the fingerprints. I think that's so cool. You know, the, what was the great thing about the, the mark was was the fingerprints. People like yeah, that. They re- they at least
0: the recognize it. Yeah. So even if they're not Everyone saying it correctly, it. they just remember that. Yeah, yeah, oh, the one what? with the fingerprints.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, and then there's and then we have uh, the "What About Me" line, which is uh, lower cost Sauvignon Blanc in Malbec. That just, I mean, "What About Me"? It's pretty. You know, unforgettable. It's really <laughs> easy to, to
1: remember. That's definitely a good name. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. dig that.
0: How, how many investors do you guys have? Because is it every single one that is their fingerprint is on the bottle? Yeah. Or have you had more since? Do you redo the labels?
4: Well, we, we have two, three labels. One for Europe, one for the U.S., and one for Curacao. In Curacao, we have a lot of investors. Uh, Angela has been there. Uh, and this has allowed us to also have presence in a lot of different um, countries. We're now being distributed in about 22, 22, 23 countries. And the investors make a great, uh, uh, it's part of what has allowed us to, to get this far so quickly. Um, the wine business is, is a long-term business. Um, and it's, it's cash intensive. Because you, you have to think that when you uh, produce a bottle, you will only sell it at least three, four years down the road. Um, and by having a few more investors than the initial ones, even people like I'm an investor, friends of mine that you would not normally be able to own a winery uh, by having smaller uh, let's say participations, you can have your dream come true.
0: Well, let's real quick, I, I just want to ask something about that because it, when you see the result in a, such a positive light and and something becoming successful, I think it's easy for us to look at it and be like, I could do that. You know, I could, I could own a bar, <laughs> you yeah. can, I could run it okay, right. The own a bar conversation <laughs> for sure. I don't think I've ever had a no. We could wine not. We couldn't could own a that. bar. Yeah, no, we no, couldn't no, own you know, a bar. We, we, we should
1: not be allowed legally to <laughs> own, own a bar. That's you and I—that'd right. be tragic.
0: <laughs> but what are some of the the I don't want to call them pitfalls, but the challenges that people don't really see when it comes to something as large as this.
4: First, Argentina is not an easy country to invest in, um, although people are great, uh, fun, but it's, as well, I'm from Latin America originally, so I, I understand that, but for maybe an American or a European, it's difficult to, uh, let's say they make a promise, or yeah, we're going to have this ready by tomorrow, and tomorrow is the next day, or the next day, or, so there are a few challenges with the country itself, um, government, government. Uh, um, but I think one of the biggest challenges is, like I s- mentioned before, the time. Um, we want everything quickly, especially nowadays. Everything, the turnover, turnover or turnaround of things in 24 hours. And and nothing happens quickly in wine. It, it, You have to give it time. You have to, of course, in the end, once you open a bottle of wine and you taste it, you say, well, the effort was worth it. Or sometimes we're discussing all the challenges and... But then we sit in that beautiful terrace, look at the Andes, look at each other and what we've built, and everything was absolutely worth it. Um, But we know that the best part of this project, we will probably not see ourselves, but our kids, our grandkids. uh, And that's one of the reasons why we are doing it, to leave a legacy.
1: So that brings us to the distribution to the United States. And, And Angela, I'm quite curious. I know that you're heavily, heavily involved now in the Houston efforts and the Texas efforts of marketing the wine and making sure that distribution goes smoothly. I imagine that there can be challenges just getting the wine out sometimes.
4: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening now with the Houston market since we're recording here in Houston?
3: Certainly, certainly. So um, we uh, we work with a distributor, Selected Wines of Texas, and um, we have a, a couple of uh, sales folks who help us, uh, Nick and Tim, and um, we've discovered that our one of us attending the initial meeting is really key because people want to know that they're buying from a real person. These are these are real people. It's a, our hearts and souls are in this, and we are. Gabby and I do a lot of calls together, and we effectively communicate that. And we find uh, that by showing up, that's half. That's half of business is yeah. showing up we we just go knock on those doors and and we show up and we show up with uh, enthusiasm and we we doing a lot of staff trainings for some restaurants here i mean some amazing restaurants here who and the chefs and management invest in their staff coming in half hour hour early and they're there with notebooks and they're ready and they're tasting the wine and asking gazillion questions so that they can turn around and sell the wine too. I love
1: that. That must be so fun.
0: But those are the restaurants you want to go to because I don't know how many times we've gone somewhere and we ask for a recommendation, and and yes, yeah, sometimes they're like, oh, I, I like this or this. But when you hear somebody, when when you say, well, well what are you thinking? It's like, well, what are you eating? Right? right. They they immediately right. want right. to they want to pair it, and they're not necessarily a sommelier, but they they understand that and they've tried multiple. Well. I would go if you're looking for that type of flavor or the, you know, it it makes the experience of choosing the wine kind of exciting.
1: But I personally love it when I'm in a restaurant and you ask about a wine and it, it can be a little bit more than just, you know, discussing a flavor profile. If they know something about the history of the wine, why it's interesting, who's involved, that to me really sells me a bottle of wine. I love that when a waiter says, you know, this stuff's coming out of this place in Argentina. It's awesome. I've met the the owners, the distributors, the CEO, whatever it might be, okay. I know that this guy, this gal, whoever it is, knows exactly what they're presenting me with. It's a lovely experience. God bless these
2: uh, these people that are in the hospitality business. Has just gotten you know wrecked uh, this past year, uh, and it's really a, you know adverse to the amount of effort that they put into, and to be affected with something that really was you know completely out of their control and. Mm. You talk about how some of the rules are a little bit arbitrary and ch- ever-changing and costly. And to see uh, some of these people that are, you know, it's not a nine-to-five job. I mean, you said uh, these these people that are working in these restaurants are getting in an hour early. You know, they leave when people are ready to leave the table. You know, you can't just go up to the customer and say, hey, you ready to go? <laughs> I, I got to fill these I gotta seats. Go. I, I got to go. You know, um, you know and, um, and uh, you know, you have to deal with, you know, every individual's um needs or, or wants at that moment and and um yeah it, it i don't I don't think people appreciate what people do in a hospitality business as much uh as they do and to be able to support them and have them support us is uh, you get that real communal uh feeling which is a lot of fun and then you know and then to to tell, to have someone say hey I love selling your wine or the customers love your wine, especially when we talk about what kind of time uh, time expenditure is involved in it. It's a lot of fun. It's one of the reasons why I really like doing the distribution in New Jersey, or really any state, but distribution in New Jersey when someone say, oh, you're distributing this stuff, so I love this stuff.
0: How, how often do people ju- just say, yes, I'll sell it? Or is it a trial period? Do they you um, give them a, a case? How, how does that work when you go to the restaurants?
3: So I'll, I'll speak about Houston. Um, for, for my husband and I, we are diehard foodies. We love hospitality staff. So when, it, when we started this wine, I, my husband and I had already been gifting bottles to, to our favorite staff at these restaurants. So then when I came in and said, we have a distributor, they said, okay, we'll take this number of cases. And that's how it got started. And, and then now as, as it's grown, um, it's not as easy to have that deep of a relationship.
1: Prior to that happening, had you been in the Houston market before?
4: Um, no, not in Houston. In wow. we distribute in Florida, so in Miami and New Jersey. Um, in in general, uh, New
2: York. yeah, in New York now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, in general, it's. Uh, I always say, if you l- if you let me present the wine and open the bottle, I'm pretty sure I can close a sale, because the 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 label is catchy, the wine is really good, and I think price, quality, we're very well positioned. Um, I got to
0: see and- her in action now. I know. Right? <laughs> I, 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 I got to see her in That's action. Incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> I mean, now, now I'm just... a. Uh, at first, I was just like, oh, she's so sweet. Gabby's just the l-
1: <laughs> know, actually, lovely. And actually <laughs> hearing all three of you, like, man, I wish I had a restaurant. I'd buy some of this wine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll open puzzles. It doesn't have to be a bar. It could be a restaurant.
1: Puzzles. We're back on that. We're back on
0: puzzles.
2: Well, the name I, of it, the restaurant's it, puzzles?
0: Yeah, because people... Say why puzzles.
2: Hey, yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's Originally it was now. a it was a bar, but
0: we we could change it to a restaurant.
2: <laughs> I dig it. You know, uh, in Jersey they got this bar in New Jersey. I don't know if they serve liquor. So maybe maybe I think it might be BYO, but it's Stumpies. You guys have Stumpies here? stumpy's no. No, this is I an I axe, place. You you an axe throw throwing place. It's an axe throwing. So be as creative as you want to. Apparently it's this really <laughs> successful. I'm so drawing. happy
1: they don't sell. There. Uh, 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 There's no, all kinds drink. of places. People drink and wow. throw axes. Uh,
0: but I, I do want to. I I believe everything you say, Gabby. I really do. I would. You don't. Know, I'm an easy sell, but I would love to see you in action. Well, you've
1: tasted the wine. That helps. It it does help, but I, even we if, be even if right I have not uh, frankly, it,
3: I. Hey, let's
2: read. Re, re, it's, it, it's, it's five o'clock somewhere. It's
3: it's five o'clock somewhere.
4: Someone
0: someone's listening to this in the evening, being like, "I need a glass right now." Indeed. Let's talk a little bit about the restaurant yeah. down down at the uh, the vineyard. Do you guys have a chef that lives full time down there? Yeah. D- I see Angela's like, yes, it's delicious. Yeah.
4: No, he's great. And we we try to cook, of course, only local things, um, a lot in the open air. So lots of barbecues, uh, stews in the open fire.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of our (laughs) listeners are not used to Argentinian food or South American food. I mean, outside of maybe going to a restaurant. Um, what is considered a traditional Argentinian or South American dish?
4: So Argentina is known for its barbecues, um, and they can basically eat every single part of the cow. Uh, if you're a vegetarian, they'll serve you chicken. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> I love that. A chicken that's eaten vegetables. Exactly. <laughs> that's yeah, fair fair yeah. enough. Yeah. There's but some there, green. But there's also um, a very big Italian community, so you will have amazing pastas also. Um I haven't had a bad meal in Argentina ever in my life.
0: And you guys start, when, when you typically do, I looked on your your website, you guys did uh, Sunday barbecues? Is that it? Is yeah. it every Sunday?
4: That's right, yeah.
1: Ugh. And does, does the restaurant at the, at the winery, at the vineyards, uh, do like head-to-tail style eating of, of beef? Is it, is it sort of everything's out there? Yeah,
4: I mean, the way they do the barbecue there is they start, um, you will have like five courses of uh different parts of the cow so you will have they start with sausages with um uh, cheese um and what impressed me also about the barbecues there is th- i say all these guys are skinny and they eat so much food but they they don't eat a lot of carbs with the barbecue it's basically vegetable salads protein and, and all protein yeah, yeah. yeah. and wine And many, oh yeah, many bottles of wine.
0: I I found it amazing. I've actually only been down to uh, BA in Argentina Mm -hmm. and we spent about a week in in Uruguay and then flew up to um, Iguazú, but we didn't get a chance to go out to to Mendoza and I I was really sad, but it was our first time in South America and we loved it. My wife and I loved it. The only reason we ended up there is because I got hammered at a a gala and bought a, a hotel stay you know, it was one of those. Someone's going to outbid me, you know, and, and they didn't. They didn't, and it just all of a sudden it's like you won. And awesome. <laughs> you know, some sc- scotch is a dangerous drink, my friend. There, <laughs> <happens, right? laughs> that's you what know? happens. But it did prompt us to go down. You know, I, I joke about this to Philip. I, I've said it on previous podcasts. I, you know, I tell my wife, "You're welcome." You know. I still don't know if she's ready to laugh about
1: that (laughs) yet. She didn't laugh when you told the story the first time. No,
0: I'm going to keep doing it. It'll wear her down. But we had a a wonderful experience. And the one thing that we learned uh, first night being there was we went out to dinner and it was like 8 o'clock.
4: Oh, no. They're getting... Yes, yeah. no. <laughs> a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was
0: empty. We're like, oh, maybe this yeah. isn't that great a place. <laughs> and then all of a sudden by like 1030, people start. it was in. packed. And yeah. I was just like, but the food was still delicious. Yeah. Um, and it was probably one of my favorite things. You're right. It's not for the vegetarian uh, diet, but it is absolutely exquisite food. Neighbors Don't Knock is produced by CNG Communications. CNG specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media, podcasting, radio, and more. They combine years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales to offer big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at knock.com.
1: And now back to the show. So, Gabby, I have a question. Being that we're talking about South America and alcohol and being social, you mentioned scotch earlier because you're from Venezuela. I used to do quite a bit of business with Venezuela. I used to travel there when I was younger in the 80s and 90s when I was a kid. Scotch there, like national pride. Everyone loves it. I saw someone do something in Caracas that I've never seen since that kind of blew my little mind that I think about all the time as an adult now. They ordered a scotch and milk. Okay, so the look on your face is yeah, that's not a, not, okay. <laughs> not a thing. Okay. I wonder if that was a cultural thing, but S- did it's just you a, order that a scotch thing. and milk? No, I didn't. Maybe but, he okay, had heartburn. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So And
4: I, he decided to pass it with more scotch. Perfect. So that was
1: a so that was a that gentleman's thing. It was yeah. not a Venezuelan thing. No, but okay, a perfect.
4: Venezuelan thing is to stir the scotch with a finger, um, with the ice. And it's typical Venezuelan. I was once in a bar in London and I'm doing it at the bar. steering it with the finger and then this guy comes up and he's like you're Venezuelan aren't you and I'm like it was the scotch on my finger and it isn't it and the- That's I hilarious! I had no yeah. idea.
0: I had no idea either. I'm I'm glad that I'm doing something cultural instead of just being <laughs> gross. <laughs> there you go. It disinfects. It's alcohol.
1: Angela, you spoke about uh, suddenly speaking Spanish on your first trip down to El Paso, and and one of the things that I found so fun about doing business with Venezuelans is you know Spanish changes per cu- per, per country. Excuse me, and it changes quite a bit right? Everyone Everyone who doesn't speak Spanish, and I don't, I just know a few words, but everybody thinks that, oh, you have, the, you have the Castilian Spanish, or then you have regular Spanish, as I would call it in today's world. It's not true, right? The language changes so dramatically region to region. And I remember when I was doing business uh, with Venezuela as an adult, thinking back on all my time there, this guy kept calling me um, his pana.
4: His pana right? sí.
1: Yeah, <laughs> mi pana, mi pana. I'm like, okay, dude, I've heard you say this fit. What the heck does that mean?
4: It's like buddy. Yeah. Exactly that's how he that. explained it to me <laughs>
1: as well. I thought, you know, if you say that to anybody who's from Mexico or they won't from get it. nobody will get it, right? It's just a completely unique thing. I found it interesting.
2: The fun part is when they mean two different things in two different countries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then you can really, you know, have some interesting conversations about what people think you want to say and what they're understanding. Yeah, or someone (laughs) throws a punch. Yeah, um, (laughs) uh, I, I
0: thought we were, I thought we were buddies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I had no idea.
2: You just called me me Mipana, man.
0: (laughs) 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 He's like, and then someone said, "You, what did you call me?"
2: Laid out, (laughs) laid out on the floor, black guy. It's a good way to learn a vocabulary. It's, it's immediate. immediate, you know, <laughs> affirmation or negativity. Indeed. Isn't
0: it funny how language can play such a huge part in just something so small? Indeed.
1: I love it. I, I, lo- I love how uh, how intimate it all is. And, and speaking of that, Angela, you were mentioning the restaurants earlier that really kind of supported the wine right out of the chute. Are there any others in Houston that you were like teamed up with early? and?
3: Well, the, one, uh, Frank's Americana on uh, Westheimer and Wesleyan, they took our wine without even tasting it. Um, it was because my husband and I had been going there uh, for years, um, probably about ten years, about eight years before we started. They started carrying the wine, and they have been um, some of our biggest supporters. So them and uh, Toulouse in the River Oaks district, same thing. Um, they they just accepted the wine, and and um, it's made it. The enthusiasm builds. And so we get enthusiastic and then they get enthusiastic and then we bring the wine and we open up a bottle for the staff to taste here. Just, just try it. And then they get excited and it just, it really builds. And that has been, um, being able to form those relationships since Mark and I live here in Houston. And now as a result, especially after the pandemic, some of these restaurants that we're talking about, like, like Frank's, for example, they never laid off their staff during the pandemic, their staff, instead of serving at a table, started delivering food and, we feel that um, we we just don't want to cook, but we now I don't think we eat a dinner at home ever because we just want to go support the industry that we feel has been so supportive not only of our our brand but uh, for us personally it's it's a it's a social interaction. And it's very satisfying.
1: I love that. It warms my heart hearing stories about restaurants that that managed to keep their staff, because there were a lot of restaurants that were not able to do that, that were not able to keep the doors open and had to shut down and shutter. And that is absolutely heartbreaking. You know, we at Neighbors Don't Knock, were involved in um, promoting a charity in our, during our first season and a bit during our second season as well called the Southern Smoke Foundation. And actually, Chef Shepard, who was kind enough to be on the show, was heavily involved in that and, and founding that um, that charity. Yeah, and,
0: and that was helping all of those in the hospitality business. So he was, especially during the pandemic, because they do this every year, and it was allowing him to pay people in the hospitality business, to continue to to, to do it, so we we're uh, big supporters. Yeah, of, of the of the industry. They wound absolutely. up shelling
1: out millions of dollars to help uh restaurant tours and, and you know, wait staff and bartenders and, and bussers and people in the kitchen uh, get a paycheck and be able to support their family. Yeah, just, really just like really
0: cool. the vineyard and everything. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it takes a, it takes a, a village to, to, to run a village.
3: <laughs> it really does.
1: And, I, and I'll give Frank's a little uh, plug myself because I love that restaurant. They're, Frank's is spectacular. We've been going for years as well, and they're just the nicest people. They care about the community. I hope to see them succeed and, and stick around for a long time. The way Houston's growing they've got a real shot. I think I think Houston has a has a better chance of bouncing back quickly from the pandemic than a lot of cities in the country do.
0: Is there somewhere that you guys love to go when you're here in Houston? When all of you, where do you guys go when you get together? Because this has got to be like a battle or something. Like, I want this, I want that. I mean, I'm sure it's somewhere fabulous everywhere you guys choose, but is this a, a big issue for you guys?
2: I usually just default to local <laughs> knowledge. So it's exactly, you know, the easiest uh, okay. thing to do. And... And almost always, they, they know the spots. So <laughs> you know, at a certain point, you have to say, you know, just do, tell me what to do, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it.
3: it. No matter what, when we come, we have a meal at Toulouse, and we have a meal at Frank's. And so th- uh, those are
0: two just staples, for sure, yes. regardless of anything else.
3: Yes, yes. It's, it's just, we're, we're, it's, it's Gabby can't... It, she has to build her trip around that. And if we can't fit that in, she's not coming. <laughs> I <laughs> love but it. But it's becoming <laughs>
4: yeah. more difficult because every time she introduces me to a new one and our wine keeps getting placed in new, new restaurants, so I think I'm going to move here. Oh. oh and then we, then we can
0: start breaking bread together more regularly. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Now I got two sources for local knowledge, so, you know. There you, <laughs> there you yeah, go. Absolutely.
1: Great. There you go. So people can find your wines at more and more restaurants around town, and is that the same case in New Jersey? Are they popping up in restaurants? And
2: yeah, it's something that we've really focused on. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, last year was um, it was a direction of our distributor uh, our distributorship to um, you know you think about it. we just thought of ourselves. Well, how are people using the wine? Why are people buying this wine? To be drinking it? Um, we want people to consume it. Everything that that we've done as in both the produce business and the wine business has been built around consumption. Um, people will come and say. Hey, this was fantastic. What is it, and where did you get it from, and when can I get more? And you start hearing those words, and you say, "Okay, we got business," you know, and we got a fulfilling one because because you're providing something that people are like. Hey, this is this is great. This now, is worth my time. This is worth my money and time.
0: I gotta ask, outside of the restaurants that you guys are being distributed at, where can people just get the wine itself? You know, there's like I love it, or they've had it, at their, and they just want I want to order a case. I want to get a bottle. Is there somewhere?
4: Well, there, uh, on our website. We try to list all the places per country where you can find it, being restaurants or shops. Um, we focus on the trade. So most of our, the places that sell the wine are restaurants. Depending on the country and the state, there are also shops. Some may sell uh, online. Um, and I'll leave Angela to talk about Houston specifically.
3: Well, well we're, we're working on that. Um, and, uh, but I have to say... I buy my wine from one of the places Gabe sells wine to out of New Jersey. You know, and I, have sh- uh, I support that business who has a big um, growing uh, e-commerce component. And so you know we're, 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 my husband and I are going to buy the wine, and so I buy from them.
1: That's cool. I like, I like hearing that. That's interesting that that you can actually support a business that's outside of Texas just to get the experience in Texas and everyone can sort of benefit from that. You know, we'll make it a point for our listeners to have uh, your website listed in our episode description, also in our social media. And if there's any place that, um, you know, you all would ever like us to specifically mention, our website descriptions are open and ready to go. So we'll happily promote that.
0: Yeah. For all our listeners, you can go to alpazian.com and the episode description will list all of the links where you can find this great wine or restaurants and go try the wine. So you guys want to check that out. Also, if you're interested in glamping tents or making a trip down to the Uco Valley down there, it, it is absolutely gorgeous. If you go to the website, you can get more information on that. You can choose your language since there's so many international travelers so if you don't speak English there if I'd be surprised you're listening to our podcast but no. <laughs> but well, you it's d- beautiful you did, you did, you did it's
1: explain our, our mystery Curaçao listeners so I appreciate that very much that's good to know
0: yeah it, 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 we always think it's it's amazing when we see somebody pop up from a different country that's hearing it, it always puts a weird thought in my head of why are they listening to neighbors don't knock or what is their reaction in their own setting listening to these two guys in Houston ramble yeah, on I'm about nonsense. Out,
1: I'm still trying to figure out who's downloading us in Israel. they <laughs> become a big fan as well. Yeah. I love it. So, Y'all, thank you so, so much for taking the time today. I know that you have to get off to more meetings and more promotional work. Uh, your wine is spectacular, and we just couldn't be more privileged to have you here uh, in, in my house and in the studio to do this episode. And hopefully more and more people discover your product because we think it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah, it's Gabe, Gabby, and Angela, it was a privilege. It was a blessing to have you guys here. And make sure you guys try this wine. It's great. Absolutely. It Brian, is wonderful.
1: Bud, thanks so much for coming by today and talking about this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not really talking. It doesn't feel like work right now. I mean, it's, it's just just here. Uh, We're I'm lot. not leaving. We're opening a bottle after this, right? Heck, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Guaranteed. make sure you guys check out new episodes every Friday of Neighbors Don't Knock. We got great upcoming guests, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next week. Peace out.